We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello to everyone listening to That Planet Mask Podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Christian and Chastity of Professional Young Things. And this was an organization, you know, I found out uh, kind of looking through very similar blogs and podcasts similar to mine and then was able to stumble across their Instagram page. But it, it was kind of a conversation I wanted to have just because of the importance of really professional interview skills, resume skills, and a lot of things that possibly are holding, I think a lot of people back, especially, you know, in the COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 landscape, where we have a lot of, you know, kind of more remote work opportunities. And, you know, it's kind of more difficult than ever to navigate on all these new rules that kind of arose and maybe more uh, with more remote work. So thank you again, Christian and Chastity, for, you know, jumping on this episode and, you know, really explaining, uh, you know, some of the information on what you guys do and kind of answering some of uh, some of these fan questions dedicated to uh, different career paths. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, I, I, I guess I wanted to ask, um, you know, Chastity, if you wanted to uh, kind of answer on this on, you know, what kind of led to the development of professional young things? Um, you know, it, it, what kind of uh, we, did you work um, specifically in like career development before something like this? Well, ironically, no, I didn't. Um, but mm-hmm. I would say a couple of years ago, Christian and I just kind of came together and we're thinking of a way to start a business of our own together because we have known each other for over 15 years. So we just started to realize that we work really well together. Um, And it kind of grew from there and thinking of what we were actually good at, which is organization um, and helping like-minded individuals or young professionals kind of have a service or community that they can go to, to, expand their skills or learn new things in order to grow in their career or if they wanted to start a new business. So a couple of years ago, that's where we began and we just kind of took it from there. Mm-hmm. And Christian, uh, I guess, what was your background um, before the idea of professional young things? Yeah, so I'm a data professional. I've worked in the financial services industry in technology since graduating. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was passionate about professional development, just like within my function. And um, within the last couple of years, I entered into management roles and actually started managing a team of my own. And to be honest, I just started realizing that my favorite part of the job is actually like coaching the team and talking to my team about career development. And um, some of the things, and Chastity and I talk about this often, but some of the things that just feel like common sense to us, it really resonates with people and it's like new information. And so that really started to hit home for both of us, like as we're talking about discussions we've had at work and with coworkers and with our bosses And it's like, wow, like we're actually natural at um, really navigating our careers and, you know, how to interact in certain situation, how to really own your career. Like, I feel like we could actually help people in this space. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I wanted to ask, um, you know, it seems like you guys juggle really um, other careers and different aspects outside of professional young things. Um, 
I think it was, uh, Chastity, do you own, uh, are you an entrepreneur outside of Professional Young Things? Yes. So actually I work in healthcare and that's my full-time role. So I work in clinical research um, at a hospital here in Dallas. So that's my main role. And then last year during the pandemic, I started a meal prep service business called Chas Cook. So I've been doing that for a little over a year now, I would say like a year and a month. So it's still pretty brand new to me. And that is something that I've been building upon over the year. And then just kind of looking at what aspects I can take that I've learned, um, just whether it's challenges or things that really work for starting a small business and how I can help others do that also. Mm-hmm. No, that's really cool. Uh, where are you saying, I guess, the, the meal prep business to uh, go from here? Um, you know, how's it doing right now? Well, I would say it's doing um, a lot better than I anticipated since when I first started. I really didn't have any intention of it being a meal prep service. It was more so just an Instagram geared toward cooking only, um, just because I was doing that a lot on my personal page. So I just thought, hey, let me just make, you know, like a food blog kind of deal on Instagram. And then people started reaching out about uh, meal prep services to me. So I took that and ran with it. So I would say in the next six months or so, I actually am working on um, getting my certificate to become a nutritionist. So I hope to expand those services to all of my meal prep clients as well. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, and I guess, uh, Christian, if you wanted to answer this. So with professional young things, um, you know, with all the, I guess if you wanted to touch up on like some of all, all the offerings that professionally young things does and, you know, is it, uh, you know, has the business been prioritizing in a specific category or has been, has business been, you know, huge in a certain section? Well, we actually just launched our Instagram in June. Um, and so we're, as of last week, like we just opened a free consultation um, so that people can kind of sign up. And our thing is really meeting individuals where they are. And for some people, like Chastity mentioned, that might be managing their career or might be starting their own business. Um, it We've gotten pretty much a 50-50 split of people who are managing their own business. And so some of the things that we're working with them on is business strategy sessions and branding on Instagram. So making sure that, you know, they're posting consistency consistently, they're leveraging all of the different methods to reach out to people and share content on Instagram. Um, And then also simultaneously building like a strategy around you know, when, when do you want to run different promotions, for example, for, for your services or like, how are you reaching out to people? How do people understand how to how to contact you? Um, so we've been doing business strategy sessions, but then also career coaching is the uh, probably the other half of people who have been reaching out with either um, resume advice or, you know, just in general, like, facing challenges at work and wanting to understand how to manage it or looking for productivity hacks sort of deal. Um, So those have really been our focus. So we've kind of started to um, shift towards, all right, how do we make sure that we get more clients from a business strategy for entrepreneurs and um, career coaching for, you know, individual professionals that are looking to improve. But we really the main thing right now is we're just trying to build a community of young professionals that can all like connect with each other, learn from each other and share resources and even learn from the community ourselves and, you know, get better. Definitely. And you kind of mentioned on, you know, the, the current lineup and uh, with developing the brand that it's kind of 50, 50, as far as people wanting to advance their careers and, entrepreneurs kind of wanting to expand their business. Uh, You know, it seems like you guys, you know, have been in all different hats as far as working corporations and starting your own businesses and, you know, working with some of these other organizations. 
was it, it, it was there more of a learning curve when it came to offering advice as far as career development for you know an individual in a business or offering advice for entrepreneurs uh, when it comes to expanding their business? Uh, you know, either you guys wanted to answer on that. Honestly, I feel like because Chastity has started her own business through Chas Cooks, like she's really the one that can speak to what works there. And from my perspective, because I'm a, I'm a manager today and I kind of do career development for the people who work on my team, um, that's kind of where I gravitate towards. So we sort of naturally gravitate <laughs> towards where we're comfortable. Um, so it's not like Chastity says, oh, I'll take business customers and you take the, uh, you know, professionals. It's It just happens naturally that we gravitate toward our strengths. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. That's, uh, you know, that's really cool to hear that, I guess, really with that kind of partnership, they're able to touch up on all aspects that, um, you know, affects people in companies and with small businesses. Well, you know, I was excited with this episode and, you know, I don't think I mentioned in the introduction that this is kind of the first time that I accepted, uh, you know, people's questions through kind of the Instagram page with the Platinum Mask um, to, you know, ask about career-related questions that Christian Chastity can discuss on. And no, had some of kind of the bullet points prepared and definitely wanted to kind of ask, you know, stuff that, you know, some people were asking on, but uh, definitely a lot of information and questions related specifically to, you know, building resumes and, you know, preparing resumes for the next job interview and wanted to kind of ask you guys, uh, starting off with that, uh, you know, on really the importance of, I wanted to ask on the importance of cover letters, uh, you know, how important, um, you know, those are in the interview process and how much time do you put towards that? I guess, uh, you know, Chastity, if you wanted to um, speak on that. Sure. Um, So I think, uh, as we had talked about, like Christian has um, pretty much like that higher manager perspective, and she really has good insight on that. But from my perspective, um, and applying for roles, um, I think that they kind of can be wordy. And maybe from a hiring manager perspective, they may not necessarily always want to read through it. And they just want to look at something quick, such as your CV or resume, and look at your, you know, key qualifications. I personally think um, just because of the field that I work in, cover letters are sometimes helpful um, in healthcare, especially in academia, because it gives you a chance to kind of talk a little bit more about your your um, experience as it pertains to your background and maybe if you are like interested in research or interested in you know higher education say you want to apply for like a doctorate program or master's program they're definitely helpful in that way uh, but in other areas they may not necessarily be um, exactly useful or like the, the key thing that you need that's going to take you know your application over to the next, you know, area. But Christian, if you have some other stuff to add, that would be that would be great. Yeah, I feel like to Chastity's point, it is going to vary by your profession. So for me, I'm coming more from that financial services and technology um, industry, where me as a hiring manager, the only thing I'm really going to take from a cover letter is that you took the time to do it, and that might set you apart. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to read that cover letter. Um, I might scan it for some keywords, but the biggest takeaway is, wow, they really took the time um, to put this together. But I'm focusing my energy on on the resume and and what um, experiences and, and skills are bulleted out. But like to Chastity's point, it's wordy. So it might make more sense on like research type roles or like arts and communication type roles. But in my industry that I'm hiring in, I don't really take a look at the details. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I guess I wanted to ask uh, Christian on, uh, you kind of mentioned you, that you appreciate 
when you see it kind of maybe that they, um, you know, put the time in, I kind of want to ask on, uh, you know, the amount of resumes that uh, I guess you receive for an average position. uh, I want to like, what's the percentage of maybe applications that, uh, you know, get automatically, you know, hit by the, uh, uh, the system, the, the company systems that maybe auto checks. Um, so I will say I've seen kind of both ends. I've been, I've worked for the company that actually has those automated systems and I've worked for a company where I'm at now, where it's actual people that are sifting through the resume. So it's a little bit more personal. Um, but for the automatic systems, that's where networking really comes in. Um, because me as a hiring manager, if there's an automated system, I won't even know that you applied. Um, the recruiter probably won't even know that you apply because it's filtering it out of their queue. Um, so in, unless you're really taking, talk about going above and beyond, unless you're taking the step to reach out to people on LinkedIn or um, see if there's anyone within your network that you know personally working for that company to say like, hey, put a, put a word out. This is the date I applied, the role that I applied for. Um, it's, you really can't get past the automated systems. Um, and I would say for a larger company, um, there's probably maybe a quarter of the resumes actually make it to the hiring managers. Um, for the smaller company that I work for now, um, it's more a conversation with the recruiter that I'm having and they're asking me, what are you looking for? Well, this person came in, it doesn't exactly meet your needs, but here are the qualities that you might be interested in. And nine times out of 10, I'm going to at least phone screen the individual just to kind of see if there's something that they're offering that it doesn't necessarily jump out at the res- at, you know, in the resume. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And uh, really kind of with um, other items that jumped in on the resume, um, I received another question about kind of uh, when it comes to the experience section with resumes. And, um, you know, I guess, Chastity, if you wanted to kind of discuss on maybe what you have personally put on your resumes in past uh, positions, but it was kind of a question on, you know, how far do you possibly list back in your resume? And maybe do you include every single position, only in the ones that are, are relevant? Um, you know, maybe if, what if you have a, a small gap, uh, maybe in your work history? Um, you know, h- how have you, uh, I guess, done your resumes in the past? So for me, I think it's most important to highlight, you know, what Uh, experiences are relevant to the role that you're applying uh, just so that you can, you know, really, I guess, use that opportunity to show that you are qualified for the new role that you're looking into. For me, I personally um, date back on my CV, um, my experience from after I graduated uh, college. So I use all of the professional experiences that I have then And then, for example, uh, since I do work in research, I use some of my undergraduate experience as well as graduate experience in research, um, because typically for roles in research, they like you to have, um, you know, more years of experience, whether or not you have, you know, you've had a professional job or not. Um, As long as you have that research experience, that is usually helpful. So I would say just make sure that it's relevant. And then say you do have a gap, but you were working on other things. So maybe you can highlight that area and tie it to some of the, you know, duties that you'll be working on, depending on what they are. So whether it's, you know, managing certain tasks or working on a database, say you did that on a personal project, uh, maybe you can list that in some aspect and find out how it can tie into what you will be doing. So I think that's really important. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I guess to kind of that point on really, you know, possibly using the gap years to your advantage and, you know, being able to tie it in to some of the duties that you're working on. Uh, I, I guess, Christian, you know, from your experience on maybe some of the resumes you've received, ha- has there been uh, any resumes that you're very impressed by that maybe they had um, maybe an opening or maybe 
a, a certain gap, but they kind of explained it um, very well. Yeah. And it, um, the best way I've heard it explained is someone in the middle of a career change, uh, meaning they're shifting industries or they're, they're shifting technology disciplines. And so within that gap, they were able to actually share the certifications that they achieved during that time. So in their case, they were using it as a learning um, process. But to Chastity's point, if you know you can replace that with personal projects that they were working on too, just to kind of show, regardless of if I'm working with established company, I was still growing as a professional. And, and here's how that experience is preparing me for the role that's been posted that I'm interviewing for now. And so um, I've, I've seen it explained really well from, from that perspective. Um, I would also say that like power words in a resume are really important. So I would even getting down to the way you're describing your experience, adjusting your language instead of saying, you know, made a, a spreadsheet to track sales it's you know developed a tracking mechanism to to keep you know a pulse on kpis and metrics increasing um visibility by x percent or you know so you're you're putting some sort of measure measurement on the impact that you made and then it's just a more powerful statement um you know made versus developed or made versus produced it, it just it just jumps out if you start those experiences with the verb and then end it with the result mm -hmm. definitely and uh really you, you kind of touched up on with some of the descriptions using power uh power words instead of um you know kind of mainly bland duties or, you know, something they're not supposed to, is there, and if either of you want to touch upon this on, you know, is there any possibly red flags that maybe uh, you've noticed on resume or you've done personally yourself, um, you know, that uh, you want to advise maybe any clients that you might have on, you know, this should not pop up on a resume ever. Um, in kind of this way. Do you want to touch on that first, Jess? Sure. Um, as far as red flags, I would say in my field, um, it's more so looking for consistency um, across the board and projects, for example, research projects that you've been working on. So um, I would say if you're starting out or you're wanting to um, make your resume sound better, research um, other like positions or people that you know who have been successful in that role or work at the organization that you're applying to research similar roles so say for example you know like you're a medical student or you want to get one of your first research positions at a hospital kind of research um, maybe a doctor who works in that area of expertise and look at their CV and look how consistent it is among like what type of laboratory they may have worked in or what therapeutic areas they've done research in. That way, um, as far as um, talking about it, maybe scientifically, you have that down and you can get a better idea of like, oh, these are the things that I've worked on. And it may not sound the way it does on those CVs, but I can reword it to make it sound a little bit better um, because you do know what you've worked on. And it's just a matter of uh, reframing it um, that way in the interviewer or hiring manager's eyes. It just sounds and looks a little bit better and more, you know, clean cut. Um, another thing I would say is just um, try to highlight the things that you're really best at and what you have done. and. Um, I think in that way, you can avoid having a lot of red flags, to be honest. Okay. I think from my perspective, I wouldn't actually call them red flags, but things that trigger a question <laughs> from me that I just want to give people the opportunity to explain um, would, would be outdated certifications or technologies. So coming from financial services industry and technology industry, if you have something 
that looks a little outdated. And I'm wondering why did you highlight that on your resume? If there might be a story behind it, but that's that's not necessarily a updated technology or a certification that is recognized. Um, so tell me more. Um, the other thing is um, when I see people jumping around, which honestly is pretty common nowadays, like especially with millennials and Gen Z, there's, um, you know, data tells us that there's not as much loyalty um, to a corporation. Um, and I just like to hear people tell that story. A lot of times, too, they might be a contractor. Um, but I will say if I see a bunch of experience that's under a year, that to me is uh, something that I'd like to hear the candidate ex expand on because, um, like I said, it might be you're a contractor and you d you haven't had any contract positions for over a year. Um, it might be that you're just early in in your career and you're trying to figure out like what your fit is. Let's I'd like to hear you talk through that. Um, a lot of times, though, it's it's always that it just wasn't working out with that company or that company did something wrong and. I'm like, okay, if that was the story four times in a row, mm -hmm. that to me is a bit of a red flag. I do have something to add though. And while um, some people might consider it small, um, I am just one of those people who always pays attention to grammatical errors and um, inconsistencies with that. And so I guess from my perspective and working in academia, to me, grammatical errors might mean that you're not a great writer. So if we would need you to, you know, help write um, a manuscript for a research project that you worked on, then who's to say that you would, you know, do well in that? Or you might have to be taught, you know, how to write scientifically, for example. But I think even matching, like, um, the verbiage in your uh, resume, just paying attention to that and how... Uh, say, for example, if it's past experience, use past tense. And if it's present, then use present tense just because, I mean, those things do matter. And if even though, you know, looking over it, if you may, you may not see those small things, but just having a pair of second eyes to look at it and just saying, hey, you, you know, you missed that or you could reword it this way. Um, that goes a long way, I think. I, and I, I think that's what makes us like such a good team, especially in catching little things like that. Um, just because it's, you know, a lot of times it's like a pet peeve of ours, but like Chastity mentioned to her, it speaks to your attention to detail in that, in your competency in that field. To me, it speaks to the level of effort you want to put in. So um, th this is something that should be representative of your brand and who you are. And, you know, there's, a spelling error, or you had an opportunity to make it one page, but there's one bullet point that's on the second page, like take time to make it a one pager. So it's just little stuff like that, that seems small, but you don't want to have distractions in your resume. You want people to focus on your experience, your credentials, and, you know, what makes you a good candidate to, for the position. You don't want the people reading your resume to be distracted by grammar or fonts not matching up or, you know, it not being aligned properly, just keep it consistent and, you know, make people focus on you and your capability to do the job. Mm -hmm. yep. And I wanted to, uh, you guys both, you know, really mentioned on putting forth the effort and kind of uh, in, you know, different ways and that can come off in the interview. I kind of want to ask on, you know, really maybe in a period where you guys were trying to um, go off into a new role, did you guys have maybe uh, kind of deadlines for yourself or like, I'm going to, you know, submit this amount of resumes or was it kind of quality over quantity or because uh, I've kind of been, you know, I've noticed situations where, you know, some companies will, um, you know, it, it's like you submit the resume, but then, you know, they want you to fill out, uh, 20 minutes of, uh, you know, stuff that was obviously on your resume and, you know, just, mm -hmm. it's a very long process. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I was kind of wondering on, you know, the amount of time, uh, that maybe you guys in kind of the, 
um, you know, in the stage of interviewing with companies, you know, how much time were you guys dedicating uh, on kind of like a weekly basis? Chastity. Are you saying uh, how much time one should put, I guess, input in, you know, if they're applying to these roles and, Okay. So I guess something that's worked for me is just thinking about um, how much would I really enjoy working at this company or doing this job. And when I'm looking at, say, I'm on LinkedIn scrolling um, available positions, and then, you know, everyone wants to do the um, where you can just automatically upload your um, your resume to LinkedIn without having to go to another site and you can just keep going right away. But if it does take you to, you know, another page to where you do have to fill out something, think about like, am I just applying to jobs just to apply or, you know, would I really want to do this job? Um, because if you wouldn't really want to do it and you're applying just to apply, you know, why waste your time? Why waste that 20 minutes of your time when you could just keep scrolling and look at something that, you know, you're really interested in? Um, I would say that one thing that works is, you know, make one day a week. Say you have a goal, you want to get a new job in six months and an interview within the next two to three months. Well, um, look at it. How many hours a week do you want to spend applying um, for jobs and researching different roles at different companies? And then just, you know, break it down to, okay, well, I want to apply to X amount of jobs per week. Um, and then just choose a day or a couple of days that week and say, I'm going to spend today. Um, and do 10 job applications. And then, you know, on Thursday, I'm going to do X amount of job applications. And you kind of break it down for yourself in tasks. That way you're not just sitting there and it's very daunting and applying and, you know, filling out the same information all day long. So you kind of break it up for yourself in, in spurts. That way, you know, it's not just a long process for you. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to ask, uh, we had, you know, some list of questions really that talks about, um, you know, after the resume process and kind of when you get to, if your resume is chosen, you get into the interview process. Um, you know, we received, uh, I received another question, you know, people asking, um, you know, a few people are asking specifically about, uh, you know, some of the questions that you hear kind of a lot, a lot in the kind of mainstream that, you know, maybe people sort of don't know how to answer, um, you know, one of them specifically being, you know, the greatest weakness question. And, you know, they're kind of like, do I say an actual weakness? Do I say a strength? Does it, um, you know, in a situation like that? So I was kind of wondering on, you know, uh, you know, Christian, what you've heard or Chastity, what you've said in interviews that, um, you know, were perceived very well, um, you know, as kind of a weakness. I would say for greatest weakness, for me, anything other than I'm a perfectionist works. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> when you, you know, say what you're really trying to say as a strength to answer the weakness question, um, it, to me, you didn't answer my question. Um, so that... Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. But second, I think it's an opportunity to talk about your problem solving um, skills and how committed you are to your personal development. So I, I don't think it's a good opportunity to say, oh, well, I'm lazy. Uh, don't do that. But talk mm -hmm. about a specific example um, that displayed a weakness and some things that you did to address it. Um, and then you can use that opportunity to talk about your strength, but not before actually answering the weakness question. Um, and then you also want to be tactful about the question. Like if, to Chastity's point, it's a researcher position, you probably don't want to talk about how you're not a great writer. Um, mm -hmm. But <laughs> if, it, you know, if there's something that's not around the core aspect of the position that you're applying for, it's an opportunity to just be truthful, talk about maybe even feedback that you've received. So if you don't have a specific example, you can talk about a time where, you know, you talk to a coworker or your boss in the past and they provided feedback and use it as an opportunity to display a strength in receiving feedback. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And you can kind of talk about how you actioned it and how you're better for it now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's uh, kind of to piggyback off uh, what Christian said, just anything, but I'm a perfectionist, but also some of the things that I've uh, tried to use in that case is just something that can also be a strength. Um, so one example is I uh, use that I communicate very directly. And sometimes, uh, depending on, you know, the people that you work with, that can come off as brash or, you know, intimidating and, you know, other negative things. But um, because I, for example, the, uh, the capacity I work in now with um, a lot of surgeons, they don't have time, you know, to get into all the details or the fluff basically of conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I've moved my style of communication because it helps to getting straight to the point and resolving, you know, the problem in the workplace. So to some people that can be off-putting because they want to feel, you know, human beings want to feel like, you know, you care or, oh, she's my friend at work or something to that nature. And so I've used that as an example, but I've also used it and turn it around and say, well, that also helps just for being clear communication and being able to stay on the same page as my coworkers. And, you know, if there's a direct ask from my manager, I don't have any issues asking for clarification or saying, these are the things that I'm doing right now. And, you know, how can I do better? Or what else do you need me to do? So I think direct Mm -hmm. communication style helped in that way. So I could, you know, kind of manipulate, I guess, the question that was asked and also turn it into a strength. Mm -hmm. No, I think that was uh, definitely great advice as far as um, being able to turn around the answer, um, ask for feedback. Uh, yeah, possibly turning slightly a weakness into a strength in a way. And yeah, obviously avoid perfectionists because <laughs> yeah. there's obviously not that many out there in the world. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to, uh, you know, it seems the really uh, the rest of the questions were kind of around um, you know, your guys, uh, interview or your guys conversations with startups, um, with your business and specifically, um, some of it was on social media. And one of the questions was kind of about, uh, a, a lot of marketing campaigns or social media content that maybe small businesses or other companies have. Um, you know, sometimes they'll try to use humor in their advertising or, you know, try to be uh, controversial on purpose, possibly for, um, you know, advertising. And sometimes it can be uh, a huge success and people, you know, uh, find it funny or relate to it or however. And sometimes, you know, it's, uh, you know, it does not do well and people, um you know, are not a fan of it, they're offended, they're, you know, they hate the advertisement. And I kind of wanted to ask on, do you guys, uh, I guess in your business, do you do any type of um, recommendations as far as what social media content goes out? Um, you know, have you, I guess, brushed up on anything that you maybe advised was, you know, a little too on the fence or... Or, you know, was the advice, um, you know, to take maybe a risk with it when it comes to advertisement? Um, Yeah, I guess, uh, Chastity, if you wanted to discuss on that. So as far as um, what we've been working on now in our service, um, mostly, I guess, would say for strategy purposes on Instagram for new businesses, um, I specifically would rather us focus on, you know, how we can build, you know, a brand or name or, you know, persona to that small business. Because I think when you start, you know, taking risks, like let's, you know, go with this joke that, you know, everyone else might think it's funny on Twitter, but you're a new business and people might look at you like, who are you? And why are you making jokes about this? And we hardly know anything, you know, about your product. Um, But I think, It's important when starting out. Um, I think sometimes for startups, there might be, you know, a little more forgiveness um, or leniency around topics that are covered that 
um, could otherwise be sensitive or controversial. So I think it's really important in general just to be more mindful of the climate and mindful of your target audience and the market that you're selling your product to. Um, and I think that also helps to build your clientele because if you're sensitive to their needs and what's important to them, you know, I think it makes you more relatable as a person, like the business owner, and it also makes your brand more relatable and it makes people want to buy your product or invest in your brand. So I think just being mindful is the key takeaway from that. And um, once I think personally, once, you know, you kind of get a feel for your clientele and the market that you're targeting, then you can kind of, you know, joke around about things that are obviously appropriate and relevant to your business. But otherwise, um, I think it's probably better just to stay away from things that are irrelevant to who you are as a, maybe an individual or what your brand stands for. Mm -hmm. And uh, Christian, I guess to Chastity's point, um, you know, discussing, I wanted to ask on, you know, maybe have you noticed a difference between maybe startups versus larger corporations or companies as far as you know, is one more likely than the other to maybe take risk or, you know, possibly be on the fence when it comes to social media or advertisements? Um, you know, I always think of Burger King probably has like 90% of all the controversial advertisements that come out. Um, so I want to ask you on that. Well, I feel like the larger corporations like that and businesses can afford the risk. Um mm -hmm. And small businesses or startups just simply can't. Um, the it it could, you know, delay a launch or make the launch not even happen. So your the the difference between a Burger King or a Wendy's that's pretty savage on Twitter as well is these are established like you know household names. Um, that are going to have a dedicated client base regardless. And they're everywhere and it's easy to access them. It's harder to avoid them, you know, in a lot of cases. Um, and a small business, you're, you're so focused on trying to get to your target audience. You're focused on building a community, which is super important for brand, brands these days. Um, so as you're starting out, building a community is so key that you want to be careful to alienate um, anybody within a community until you're really confident about have you hit your target audience? Who are they? Is it who you thought it would be? Um, and how are they interacting with your content? I would say even for PYT, there is a couple of reels that we posted that Chastity and I thought were hilarious, like not controversial, but like we were like, man, we're we're so funny. Like this is going to blow up. And then it's like, 200 plays <laughs> and we're like okay well we think we're funny but our target audience is gravitating more towards this content so it's really important to test certain things out um, not with huge risks until you get a really consistent target audience with you know some loyalty and people that you know are going to stick even if you do take a risk definitely as far as uh Really, you guys talked about testing out, um, you know, different strategies. Yeah, I mean, it seems like right now, it, I mean, it's the uh, biggest time ever for kind of testing out on social media with kind of TikTok and Clubhouse blowing up during the COVID pandemic. And, you know, with everyone home, it, you know, helps the launch of these apps and people got way more involved in these social media platforms. I wanted to ask, you know, if, if you guys see, um, you know, kind of a, a long-term future with Clubhouse and um, with TikTok as far as, um, you know, branding and companies kind of marketing their services on it. Uh, you know, I guess, Christian, if you wanted to uh, speak on that first. I So the first thing I'll say is we, we just don't really have um, – experience as like creators on those platforms we've definitely like as consumers yeah because just like everybody else we were locked down at home and you know any type of entertainment i'll try it out um i just see tiktok more like 
for me personally, entertainment and life hacks. Um, mm-hmm. As far as Instagram, because I've had an account for longer, I just feel like it knows me more. Um, and the content is just a little bit more tailored to like what my actual interests are. Um, whereas I feel like TikTok is just something that I, you know, scroll through at the end of the day to shut my brain off sort of the deal. So, um, it's definitely blowing up though. It's just, we don't have experience as creators and we're going to kind of stick what we know, (laughs) um, from an Instagram perspective. I think as far as um, like Clubhouse goes, um, I mean, as Christian mentioned during the pandemic, we were all, you know, if this is something that will be entertaining in the time being, then great. But, um, well, I mean, I, I use it a couple of times. It just isn't, you know, my thing, I would say. And I have got really comfortable with using Instagram, you know, from the user perspective, as well as creating content. Um, so I would say Clubhouse, though. I think it really depends on, you know, your market. So say if it was just something that you wanted to have an online forum basically about, I think it would be really useful in that way. So, for example, if I wanted to use Clubhouse for my um, nutrition business, say Mm -hmm. I could just, you know, use that to develop a group uh, where people come and talk about their personal opinions on nutrition and cooking and meal prep. So in that way, you know, it would be useful. But since I haven't used it, I think it's just really a familiarity thing. And so whatever works for your business, I think um, picking up on your strengths and what has been working for you is really important. Mm -hmm. No, I can definitely, you know, see from both your guys' perspectives on maybe really with some of, I guess, the easy use and maybe the user perspective being better with some of the platforms or maybe TikTok or Clubhouse, maybe not being the best or most dedicated to um, launch a small business or startup. Um, Yeah, I can definitely see from those perspectives um, with social media. Um, I I wanted to ask um, just to close this out. uh, I wanted to kind of ask on really if there's any, upcoming projects or just overall with the business uh, with professional young things that either you guys are looking forward to, um, you know, moving forward in the future? Yeah. I mean, we are looking to um, launch our services. And so while we're, while we're doing that, we're offering free consultations and then really heavily discounted um, services from what we would typically charge just because we want to make sure that what we're providing is really useful and even get feedback from some of our early clients that we've been working with. And so we're just really looking forward to gathering some of that feedback and trying to figure out what um, really works for people. We know what works from us for us and we have like, you know, sort of the proof is in the pudding. And so now we just need to work with our clients to hear what their success stories are and then also, you know, what just doesn't work for them. Um, And so our priority right now is kind of meeting people where they are. Like I mentioned with both the business clients and the, um, you know, individual more corporate professional clients with career coaching and then just see what makes sense for them. So we're really just excited to, build a community um, and start providing templates, techniques, resources that just make things easier for, for people. I, I think that's what really sets our generations or the younger generations apart is we're really interested in that community and in helping each other and sharing what works. Um, Whereas before it was kind of, you know, everyone is just trying to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. And why am I going to help Sally if Sally is on for the same position I am, um, where we've been reaching out and, and looking to collaborate with similar businesses just to see how we can make each other better. So um, launching services for sure. And on the topics that we talked about today. Um, we just did a, a free resume review giveaway um, to, to kind of uh, showcase some of that services. We talked about interviews today 
We also offer mock interviews. So if you have an upcoming interview coming up, we can kind of sit with you and act like we're the hiring managers and ask you the questions that we've been asked in our experience and, you know, that we ask candidates now that we're in that hiring position. And sometimes just kind of practicing in the mirror, so to speak, um, goes a long way when you're prepping for an interview or, you know, the next move in your position. Yeah. And I guess, uh, Chastity, if, if there's anything on your end with professional young things or in um, really your food prep business that you're working? Well, I think Christian uh, summed up pretty well what we are looking forward to for professional young things. I definitely am excited, you know, to get started on that journey as we build clientele and kind of, like Christian mentioned, develop or getting feedback from our clients and learning what works and what doesn't work from from them. Um, I think that's going to be really important in our basis. So I'm looking forward to pretty much any opportunity to work with anyone who is reaching out to us. Um, we do have um, in our Instagram where clients can just go and sign up for a free consultation. So, but as far as my uh, meal prep business, I am uh, hoping to use that kind of as a basis to continue to learn um, as a, you know, a young entrepreneur, I would say and learning from my mistakes or areas that I could develop um, better and just take that information and apply it to PYT and what I can, you know, give feedback and, you know, perspective to my clients, to our clients on at PYT. So I think um, as far as my business goes personally, it's more of kind of like a, a learning aspect. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask podcast. Stay connected with us directly through theplatinummask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at graymask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.